Welcome to the Informed Fitness Podcast, 20 minutes with New York Times bestselling author, Adam Zickerman. In this podcast, we're gonna discuss my original vision for how we started Informed Fitness and where I want Informed Fitness to go and where we think exercise should go in the future. It's nice to see that my original intuition over 20 years ago has been validated by some recent science. So we're gonna bring on some scientists in this industry, some great testimonials from clients that have experienced this. I'm gonna be bringing in musicians and very interesting people, bodybuilders talking about how little they actually work out. It's going to shed some light on some very important topics. Welcome into the Informed Fitness Podcast, 20 minutes with Adam Zickerman and friends. I'm Tim Edwards, the founder of the Inbound Podcasting Network. Back with Adam's friends and colleagues, Sheila Melody from the Informed Fitness Toluca Lake location, and Mike Rogers from the New York City location. And across the hall from Mike is the founder of Informed Fitness and author of the New York Times bestseller, Power of 10, the once-a-week slow-motion fitness revolution, Adam Zickerman. Coming up in this episode, we'll weigh in on the immediate physiological benefits of high-intensity training, what is the difference between weight training and weight-bearing exercises, and steady-state exercise. What is it, and how does it compare to high-intensity weight training? Adam, Mike, and Sheila, good to have you back on the show and looking forward to today's discussion. Adam, let's start off with the debate between high-intensity training and your, say, run-of-the-mill exercise routines that we're all familiar with. Why is high-intensity so important versus just getting on a treadmill and doing that steady state, getting a heart rate up a little bit and, and spending the time maybe an hour every single day, which is generally what's been recommended. And why do I say, and why do plenty of people in my camp say that's you know big deal? I mean, like you don't have to do all that. And this is this is what we're finding out. First of all. A lot of people like to say to me that I don't think steady-state cardio is worth anything. I don't say that. Plenty of studies have shown that the physiological benefits that we see can come from steady-state exercise. Certain markers have definitely been shown to have, to have improved. I have a question, Adam, if you don't mind. For the layperson like me, what is steady-state exercise? Steady-state exercise is doing cardio to the point where you can read People magazine for a while. Gotcha. Steady-state cardio is a kind of cardio that passes the talk test, that you can have a conversation with somebody next to you while you're doing it. And steady-state cardio gets your heart rate up maybe 20, 30, 40% above its normal heart rate. Sustained, steady-state, gotcha. sustained. Steady-state activities as such has definitely been shown to cause certain physiological improvements. They've been shown to raise certain markers that we look for. Some of these markers are oxygen consumption, improved oxygen consumption. They call it VO2 max. Certain anaerobic and aerobic enzymes go up. Glucose sensitivity is improved as a result of steady state exercise. These are all good things. You want to be able to handle glucose better. In other words, somebody that is out of shape, their ability to, if they eat something that has sugar in it, their ability to metabolize that sugar is very slow and keeps your blood sugar up high, and that leads to obesity and all kinds of metabolic problems. All these kind of markers are improved from steady-state activity. What I'm saying is you don't have to spend that kind of time to improve those markers to that level. Turns out you spend a lot less time doing it, but it's a lot more intense, actually. You can improve those markers equally. And that's what the McMaster studies have shown at McMaster University in Canada. They compared steady-state activity and the, and the markers of improvement 
to high-intense exercise. And you'd think that the group that did the steady-state activity for like four hours a week versus four minutes a week, that they would have at least a little bit better improvement of those markers compared to just four minutes of exercise. But as it turns out, there was zero improvement compared to the high-intensity group. In other words, the markers that went up for the steady-state group, hours of exercise per week, were no better than the group that just spends about four minutes a week exercising in a much higher intensity. So it begs the question, why are we doing all that steady-state activities if the markers that we decided are markers of improvement, if high-intensity exercise are improving those markers equally, why are we taking the scenic route? So the question is this, and, and this is it. I don't think that if you like to do a steady-state cardio and you want those physiological improvements, we're all big boys and girls. Go ahead and do it. If you want to spend the four or five hours a week doing it, fine. If you also understand the risks associated with doing four or five hours of exercise a week at a steady-state level, if you understand those risks, which a lot of people don't understand, but if they did understand these risks and they still want to do it that way because that's what they like to do, it's certainly better than sitting on a couch doing nothing. And those risks are orthopedic risk and overtraining risks, of course. And, you know, quite honestly, some people don't see it this way, but I see it as a risk of time. I mean, for sure. we only have so much time on this earth. I mean, like, I don't want to spend four hours a week of my time exercising if I don't have to. I'd much rather be with my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the part that's most attractive about this exercise, your exercise, the high-intensity slow-motion strength training system, as opposed to riding a bike for four hours a week. I mean, who has time to do that? Unless it's something that somebody really enjoys to do or they use it as a, a recreational activity. I do not have four hours a week to work out, and I'm sure the majority of the people listening don't have four hours a week to work out, especially when the benefits are equal, if not better. Well, that's that's the point. So you have choices. So we have choices. When someone says you don't believe in cardio, you don't think people should do cardio, I'm like, you know, we have a choice. And I mentioned the scenic group before. I mean, some people like to take the scenic group. Again, it's a choice. And most people, I think, want to just get it done, get it over with. And the people that want to take the scenic route, take the scenic route. But I think a lot of people that take the scenic route, number one, don't realize it's just a scenic route, that there is even an express route. And number two, the people that take the scenic route, they don't know about the side effects of it. And maybe they think twice about it if they knew what the side effects were. I think exercise programs don't have enough disclaimers with them. You know, when you see a drug commercial on TV, they always have those disclaimers at the bottom. (laughs) They read really fast in really small letters. All right. Well, I think for the most part, that's the way the exercise industry kind of covers their butts. But they don't really tell you truly what the risks are doing these type of activities. And and that's, that's sad. So in addition to the obvious benefit of becoming stronger, what are some of the other direct physiological benefits that we can enjoy as a result of this protocol? Well, there's... A lot of anti-inflammatory responses and free radical absorption responses that occur when you push the muscles that deeply, we're finding out. This is kind of new stuff. I mean, last five years or so, when you work out that intensely, the muscles are starting to produce things that really have more profound effects than, like you just mentioned, just getting stronger. It can affect our immune system. It can affect how we deal with free radicals. Uh, The fact that we're balancing the intensity with plenty of rest allowing the body to do these things so you are actually enhancing immune system as, a, as opposed to actually the opposite where you, your immune system is actually run down and you get even more vulnerable to sickness because you're overtrained so the balance there is very important 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it's I think the immune system, the immune response is that's a huge thing because we always think about that's how we keep our our, our bodies, uh, you know, uh, to be able to fight disease and everything. But you know, something I think even more uh, uh, more direct than we talk about, like just strength training in general. We know strength training in general. You know, it you can when you when you have a, a program, hypertrophy, increased muscle size is, is a benefit. Burning fat is a benefit. Uh, cardiovascular endurance is a benefit. And it's interesting. And Adam, I don't think no one no one describes it better than you do about what the effect of intensity has on hypertrophy or fat burning, for example, versus a steady state stimulus. I mean, when you're pushing the body to that level of intensity, it sets off a cascade of, of things. And basically all the systems it's a supply and demand thing. When you're when you, when you are producing through intense exercise that kind of demand, and the muscles are growing and require constant demand, all the systems need to meet that demand. Osteoporosis. The bones have to get stronger when the muscles are stronger. The cardiovascular system has to become more efficient as your muscles become stronger. The integrity of your joints need to improve if your muscles around those joints are stronger. Your digestive system needs to keep up with the demands of more muscle and high-intense exercise. Temperature regulation is improved as a result of this. We're noticing all kinds of benefits just because you're spending 20 minutes to push your energy systems to their max. Yeah, and the other thing that I just want to make very clear is that how safely we achieve that intensity with this Power of 10 workout because you know, you can get the intensity CrossFit or those other things that people are doing. That's intensity, yes, but it's it's very injury prone. And by going very slowly, it is is it's really amazing how, when people try this for the first time. They don't believe it, and then you get them on there, and just by simply going very slowly with the right amount of weight in the perfect form, how deeply and how quickly they can achieve that muscle failure or that, that deep intensity. You know how you have to think of this? It's meditation with weights. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Going to muscle failure is very similar to meditating. You have to focus on one thing and, not, and, and try to cancel out all the other distractions. And, and, and you have to accept the fact that there are going to be other distractions. In the case of reaching muscle failure, the distractions are, you know, the big... The big obvious one is the burn, the absolute discomfort that comes from going to muscle failure. So you have to kind of ignore that burn and realize you have a you have a very specific goal, and that is to reach a certain level of muscle fatigue. And you have to breathe properly through this. You can't hold your breath. You can't do all the gyrations and histrionics associated. Those are the distractions. So what you're trying to do, just like meditation, is focus as like meditation on the breath. Here you're focusing on the movement, on the objective muscle failure. And as soon as a, a distraction comes in, what do you do? You note it and you and you bring yourself back. And this is ne you never you never perfect it. I'm doing this workout for 18 years or more, and you, you, you're never perfect at it. And when you think of it that way, I think all of a sudden intensity is not so bad. So Adam. Let's say we have somebody listening in an area where Inform Fitness is not located, and they're interested in doing this workout, but they don't have the actual machines that you have there in your Inform Fitness 
facilities or gyms. Can this workout translate to free weights or Nautilus machines they could find at a gym where they might be located or maybe even just body weight exercises? Does it translate across the various platforms? Yes. The principles of lifting weights slowly, keeping it safe, crossing that threshold of intensity can be applied using almost anything. My father, I remember uh, building stuff in the garage with my dad growing up, and uh, he had all hand tools. And uh, I would say, you know, why don't you get one of those nice electric routers or a hand yeah. sander, you know, like the electric sanders and things like that. And he was like, a good craftsman never blames his tools. Hmm. Point is, my dad didn't have the money to buy this kind of stuff, but he still didn't let that stop him from building some really cool stuff for the house. And that, that, that comment always stuck with me. And... To achieve muscle failure, to, to, to work out intensely according to muscle and joint function safely, you don't need to have our fancy retrofitted equipment that we've spent lots and lots of money on. Because if you're going to do this for a, as a business, a good craftsman will also tell you he'll use the best tools available if he had the opportunity. So yes, you can absolutely do this with anything because you have to just reach intensity and you want to try to do it as safely as you can and you want to keep it as brief as possible. But if you are within the area or within driving distance of an informed fitness, it certainly would be to your advantage, clearly, to jump on board, join Inform Nation, and try this out for yourself. And if you would, remind our audience of the markets where they can find an informed fitness, please. True. I mean, there's a reason why I spent all this time and money on, on this retrofitted equipment. You know, we're in New York City, we're on Long Island, we're in Burbank, California, we're in Virginia, a couple places in uh, Virginia, uh, Boulder, Colorado. And of course, people in these areas are really enjoying the service of using equipment like this with a trainer that, that kind of has taught them a whole way how to go into that level of intensity and how to find that, that Zen master in each of us. But again, you know, Lifting weights slowly or pushing your muscles to their ultimate threshold, exhaustion point, doing that safely, uh, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. A set of wall squats, a push-up position, a plank. It doesn't take much to stimulate this type of change. Now, there are all kinds of people, all kinds of orthopedic issues, uh, motor skill issues, genetics where having a, tr a trainer, of course, is a benefit. Mm -hmm. But in theory, anyone can do this with anything. And I know the subject is equipment versus free weights or our equipment versus any other kind of equipment. Not too long ago, I was interviewing a trainer who was thinking about becoming a trainer in form fitness. And I'm talking about the equipment and, and, and the special cams and the low friction and how, and all the body mechanics and matching resistance curves of the machines with the strength curves of the human body. Mm. And I got into all this biomechanics. And I'm thinking he's like eating all this stuff up. Like, this is like unbelievable. And in the end, he was like, you know, I think it should be a little bit more varied. You know, I'm kind of thinking, I don't want to limit myself to just equipment like this. I mean, I think free weights is important and all kinds of different exercises, you know, for a well-rounded workout should be applied. And I was like, this guy did not hear a single word I said for the last 12 weeks, honestly. He didn't get it. He says, you know, you're a little bit more machine, you're like a machine-based company. And I'm thinking, I don't know if I want, as a trainer, I want to lim limit myself to a machine-based type of protocol. And I was like, oh boy, either he didn't listen or I didn't do, my, I didn't do a good enough job. 
uh, in explaining what we're all about. Because if his takeaway was we're a machine-based company, then 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 some there was some kind of miscommunication going on. Because I really, I mean, I have this beautiful pull-down machine that I personally don't use because I like to do chin-ups. <laughs> you know, it, it, but the pull-down machine is great and it should be used by a lot of people. It doesn't matter. It and doesn't you have matter. in your book too. In your book, you're, there's there's a whole like the last you know part of the book is all exercises you can do at home, right? Of course. Yeah, and for those that have uh, stumbled across this episode and haven't had an opportunity to listen to some of the early episodes, the first few episodes of this podcast, the book is called Power of Ten, The Once-A-Week Slow-Motion Fitness Revolution with Adam Zuckerman. Of course, you can pick this up at Amazon.com, and I would imagine uh, there are some bookstores across the country that carry it as well, too. And you have these at each one of your facilities, too. So explain the difference, Adam, between uh, when... Women come in and, and they're told that they need to do weight bearing exercise, in you know to uh, stave off uh, osteoporosis. What's the difference between weight bearing exercise and weight lifting? Is there a difference, and what is it? Yeah, I don't know. What, yeah, there seems to be a lot of confusion because I don't think doctors are explaining to their patients clearly enough what they mean by weight-bearing, or even if they know what weight-bearing is. Because a lot of doctors are a little paranoid to get and recommend their their patients, especially if they have some kind of osteoporosis or some kind of orthopedic issues. I think they're a little nervous to tell them to start doing a high-intensity program. So what they do is just say weight-bearing. I guess they can't get sued for just saying do weight-bearing exercise. And weight-bearing has become such a ubiquitous word, if you will. It, it almost means anything as long as you're active. Like a walking program by some is considered weight-bearing exercise, especially if that person doing the walking program has a big butt. <laughs> you're, bearing, you're bearing your own weight. That's, that's weight-bearing. That's right. Yeah. Well, that's not what, to, like me, Zumba. to me, that's not what weight-bearing is. That's not weight-bearing. Weight, to me, weight-bearing is high-intensity exercise pushing the muscles to, to, to their term max. That's what weight-bearing exercise is to me. A walking program doesn't qualify. Jogging doesn't qualify. Lifting five-pound dumbbells to uh, music while you're riding a bike does not qualify. You have to go into the zone. You've got to push yourself to your limits. doesn't have to be long. doesn't have to be unsafe. doesn't have to be with fancy equipment. But you've got to do that. And that's weight-bearing exercise. So, Adam, are there opportunities for other professionals in this industry who have been listening to this podcast who really are starting to subscribe to this high-intensity, slow-motion strength training system, enjoying the science behind it, and, and all that you and Mike and Sheila have to say, they might be able to get in contact with you about maybe getting certified to teach this in their area where their, an informed fitness is not located? Yes. As a matter of fact, I just got back from uh, San Francisco with a group of six people for exactly that. There was an owner of, of, a, of a gym up there that wanted to get all of their, her trainers exposed to this and, and certified in how to teach this exact type of training. So I just did a 12-week course with them, uh, Skype and lectures, and then a workshop at the end for two days, and then boom, 
they're off and running. So you have a curriculum in place to go ahead yeah, and, and bring the curriculum that I've been working on for like the last five, six years. So mm-hmm. every time I give this course, it gets better and better and better. And I just want to add from personal experience, it's one of the best things I've ever done is to take that certification course from Adam. And I've also been through probably two or three different probably three different um, groups of people that he has certified, including some of our own trainers. And if anything, you learn, you know, this whole new way of exercising, which you can take with you for the rest of your life. And a lot of people imagine that are getting in touch with you, like the folks in San Francisco. Uh, They already have a gym. They already have members. uh, They already have a client base. And they're just going to teach this new method, something that they haven't taught before. I was just going to say that we've actually had people uh, call us up and say, you know, I know that we're not, you know, there's not an informed fitness in my area, but I read the book. I wanted to learn this. Can I just, I'm going to fly in and can I do a little mini workshop, which is like a consultation or whatever. We'll take a couple hours with you and work with a trainer and show, you know, show them how to do this. And we've had several people like fly into Burbank Airport and Mm -hmm. I'm serious. And I was like, really, do you really want to do this? And yeah, we've done it. So um, that's always something if you're kind of close, but you're not really close, find a trainer that is certified in this and then just, you know, pay them to go through it with you. Yeah, that's a great idea. Or perhaps if you'd like to hire Adam directly to train you or your staff to offer this slow-motion, high-intensity training to your clients, just send Adam an email or a voice memo from your phone to podcast at informfitness.com. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling 888-983-5020, extension 3. That's 888-983-5020, extension 3. And to join Inform Nation for yourself to give this workout a try, just visit informfitness.com for phone numbers and locations nearest you. That puts the wraps on this episode. We are close to that 20-minute mark in the podcast, which means if you began your slow-motion, high-intensity workout when this podcast started, you'd be finished with your workout for the entire week. Join us next time as we learn more about the equipment necessary to perform the Power of 10, and we'll discuss age limits for this very unique and effective workout. How young is too young and how old is too old to begin? And please don't forget to subscribe to this free podcast from whichever platform you might be listening from. iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Acast, and even YouTube. And please rate the show and leave us a review. It only takes a couple of minutes and will ensure the continuation of this podcast. For Adam, Mike, and Sheila, I'm Tim Edwards, and we appreciate you listening to the Informed Fitness Podcast, 20 Minutes with Adam Zickerman and friends, right here on the Inbound Podcasting Network.